listeners, just a quick heads up about today's episode. We had some technical issues, which means our sound isn't up to the quality you're used to. While Chelsea sounds great, my audio is a little bit muddy. We do have some great books to tell you about today, and we think you'll still love listening to this TBR toppler. Rest assured that we've resolved the problem and we'll be back with the audio quality you're used to in our next episode. Welcome to Novel Pairings, a podcast dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're toppling your TBR pile with historical mystery and romance novels set in the 1920s. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I am excited to be out of the Renaissance world, although talking Macbeth was super (laughs) fun, and doing something completely different for us. We're reading a modern, a contemporary book, The Chosen and the Beautiful by Niveau, for our main pick on the podcast this November. And so today we're going to talk about kind of all things 1920s in terms of setting for other contemporary works. Yeah, it didn't feel like we could talk about adaptations and retellings as the theme of our season without making a modern contemporary, although this isn't necessarily like a contemporary uh, set Gatsby retelling, but um, contemporary written retelling. Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel right to talk about this without including one as an example. And we thought 1920s would be super fun. We have a few members of our Patreon community who have read The Chosen and the Beautiful and have been dying to discuss it. And so if it's a highly discussable book, we are here for that. So we have some TBR toppling titles to share. We'll each share five different titles. And I will talk a little bit about The Chosen and the Beautiful first, if that's okay with you, Sarah. Yeah, that sounds great. So like we said, this is a great Gatsby retelling. It's by Nevo, and it centers around Jordan Baker. I like retellings that take a side character who has perhaps a smaller part in the main plot or the main story of a classic novel. And so we are focusing on Jordan Baker here. And we're in 1920s American society. She is a socialite. She has a lot of money. She's educated. She's a really great golfer. And so she gets invited to all of the fancy parties. But in Nevo's adaptation, Jordan Baker is also queer. She is Vietnamese and she is adopted. And so when she's at all of these glittering social gatherings, she's really exoticized. She's treated as an outsider, even though she knows, like, I belong here. I have the money. I have the credentials. You're still inviting me to these parties, but you're treating me like I'm just some sideshow attraction. And so we have that as sort of like who Jordan Baker is, adding some layers to her backstory. Then we also have some elements of magic and ghosts and 
mystery and like the elements being a fantastical part of this book. So that's something that Nevo is known for is incorporating these these magical elements into the uh, sort of like historical setting. So this is Nevo's debut novel. It's publicized as a coming of age story. I I think that we're all going to have a really great time reading and discussing this one. I love a um, 1920s setting with a little bit of magic. And I am also really excited to discuss. I've read a couple um, retellings of classics with book clubs in the past, and they always lend themselves to such great book club conversations because you're talking about, you really end up talking about two books um, and how they're in conversation with each other and how, why it works or does not work for a modern story. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Completely agree with your take that a retelling through the lens of a side character is always so fun. What do you have on your list, Sarah? My first book is one that I have already talked about. I paired it, I think I paired it with Passing. I either paired it with Passing or The Great Gatsby. And it's an older book. It is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell. Oh, I'm just, as I'm re-looking at the summary, I'm seeing that the character's name here is Rose Baker. And I kind of wonder if Baker is a nod to Jordan Baker in The Great Gatsby. There are definite Gatsby nods in The Other Typist, including a pair of women in yellow dresses, which is one of my favorite images from, from The Great Gatsby. Anyways, this is kind of a a psychological thriller, and it follows Rose Baker, who is a typist for the New York City Police Department, and she is very high and mighty about her job. Um, She types up confessions, and she's extremely judgmental about um, everything she hears, and she just, I mean, and, and she's proud of her work, you know, she, in a, in a good way, but also she's, like I said, a little self-righteous. So then another woman named Odalie joins her precinct as a typist, the other typist. Odalie seems to be very wealthy. She's definitely stylish. She is very much a part of the the jazz underworld, the speakeasy uh, world of 1920s New York, the world that Rose was very snobbish about, but Rose then finds herself swept away in Odalie's world. And that's all I want to say because it's it's suspense, it's uh, psychological, a psychological thriller. And so it's really fun to just let this one unfold. Um, and the ending is kind of bananas. I'm not sure I understood it. <laughs> so if you've read this, chat with me about it. It is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell. Did you read this one? I did. Do you remember I texted you? Yes. We were probably, this was probably like, I don't know, we were both pregnant at this point, I'm sure, and like not sleeping or something. But I remember texting you and being like, oh yeah, you were right about that wild ending. It's so wild. I have no idea. Yeah, it's a it's an ambiguous ending. And um, so if you're not okay with that, don't read this one. Also, Kira Knightley bought the movie rights to this, like when it first came out. And I want to say like 2015 or something. I don't know, a while ago. And I 
I've heard nothing about an adaptation since. So speaking of adaptations, I would love to see this one on film, but yeah, it's pretty fun. All right. I have, uh, this is a mystery, but it's definitely not a thriller. Sarah, did you read Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson when you were doing your uh, fall guide reading? I didn't. I'm excited about it, but I ended up having quite a bit of historical fiction on my guide. And so I just decided not to pick that one one up, but I'm excited to hear what you thought of it. Yeah, I just listened to it on audio. I really liked it in that format. And this was my first Kate Atkinson. I haven't read any of her other works before. I thought this was a perfectly fine introduction. I'm very, uh, like, as far as, especially big time authors like Kate Atkinson or Right now I'm listening to the new Celeste Ng. Haven't read any Celeste Ng before. I am very happy to just jump in with an author wherever they're at with their newest release, even if they've got a big backlist and they're well-known. And I feel like maybe I should have read some of their previous books. I like to just meet them where they're at. um, And then it's fun to go back if you want to. So that was the case here with Kate Atkinson. I enjoyed this one. It's set in 1926. And it's set in London. And of course, we're still seeing a people reeling from the Great War. There are a lot of references to the war. The main character is Nellie Coker, and she is this like notorious queen of the underground speakeasy scene. She is like this super wealthy, well-known woman who kind of like runs in circles with mobsters and the police are always trying to kind of catch her in some wrongdoing. And she's known for just being this ruthless club owner. And she owns multiple clubs across the city. And she has six children. So her children factor in his characters. But there is this detective. There's a former librarian now working with the detective character. And so we have a pretty big cast in this novel. There are a couple of missing girls who are trying to be dancers and trying to make it on the big stage. So we have this really big cast of characters. We have some time jumps back and forth, which I like, especially these days when I'm listening to an audiobook, because it makes me tune in and pay attention to what's happening. So I liked the structure of this. Really excellent world building as far as historical fiction. And what I mean by that is it's not just fantasy novels where an author is building a world. In historical fiction, there's a significant amount of world building based on historical detail. Kate Atkinson does this really well, really brings this time period to life, blending sort of the poverty and scarcity of London Mm. at this time combined with this transition to wealth and abundance and glittering society. And it's really this huge transition period between old money and new money, which America saw a little bit earlier. London and England hasn't really seen it yet until after this this great war. And so I thought the time period and sort of that evolution of London was like the main feature of this book. Mm -hmm. The mystery is fine. I didn't really 
care that much about the mystery. I wouldn't recommend this necessarily to mystery fans. I would say if you love historical fiction that's really detailed, um, Nellie Coker is based on a real character. I think that you would enjoy this. I really kept thinking of the Maisie Dobbs series by Jacqueline Winspear, which I'll talk about later as I was reading this. So if I think if you're a fan of Maisie Dobbs, I think this is worth a shot. Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson. The cover is gorgeous, but I did really like the audio. Kate Atkinson is such an interesting author because she has a whole mystery series. I forget the her main detective's name. I think it's Jackson Brody. That sounds And I right. only know that because I was just looking at her stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Life After Life was this like major literary kind of departure for her. And now she seems to be kind of blending those two sides of mm-hmm. her writing in really interesting ways. I read Transcription, one of hers, that was, that sounds quite similar in terms of it's a mystery, but you don't really care so much about the mystery. It's really just evocative of uh, time and space. And, and I think a lot of what she writes about in these works too is the way uh, women's lives were shifting and undergoing changes mm-hmm. at these time periods. So. I really like her. And once I read this, maybe we can have a more in-depth discussion for our Patreon community. That's always something we love to do when we both end up reading a buzzy new book. Yes. Yeah. So typically we do that with summer, but I feel like we might end up having some at the end of this season to talk about. Yeah. I also read the new Celeste Ng, so I'll be very curious to hear your thoughts on it. I'm definitely definitely going to want to talk about that one. Okay. So great. All right. What's, what's up next, Sarah? All right. So my next one is a little piece of historical fiction called the masterpiece by Fiona Davis. Have you read any Fiona Davis? I haven't. She's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I know people who love her books and I, I think she too does a lot of great world building. Mm Mm-hmm. She just started to release all these books at a point where I started to take a break from historical fiction. Yeah. And I do think that I'm grateful to Fiona Davis for kind of eschewing the rut of World War II historical fiction. She does try to, she does write about a lot of other time periods, which I very much appreciate. I kind of think of her as like the American Kate Morton because so many of her books have that structure of an older timeline and a more present day timeline. And you flip back and forth and the person in the more present day timeline is trying to figure out what happened in that historical timeline. And I think that for some readers, that structure just has gotten old or or isn't working. But I find that structure to be just really great for breaking a reading rut because you just want to get back to the next timeline. They always leave you on cliffhangers. Then you have to read two more chapters to get to to what you want to find out. So I like Fiona Davis for for that kind of reading experience. And I liked this one. So this one's called The Masterpiece. It is set in 1928 and well, 1928 and then 1974. But I'm, I'm going to focus on our 1928 plotline here. It follows a young woman named Clara Darden, and she teaches art at the Grand Central School of Art, which I think was something that not many people know about, but there did used to be an art school 
in Grand Central Station. And it is leading up to the stories leading up to the start of the Great Depression. And so we have this kind of community of artists who are are making it in that they are making a living from their art or from teaching art, even if they aren't making it the way they want to in terms of making a splash in the artistic world. Clara, for one, is a wonderful illustrator. She really wants to work for Vogue, designing and illustrating Vogue covers. That's her dream but it's still really hard to make it as a woman in this scene. Um, In the midst of all of this, we have the kind of flashbacks to, or the flash forwards to the 1974 story where Grand Central Terminal is basically in decline. And in the process of refurbishing it, we, a historian learns more about this Grand Central art school. So I really like this for learning about that history. I love when a piece of historical fiction kind of uncovers a lesser known um, aspect of of history. And this was really interesting to me to read about women artists in the 1920s, how uh, the looming Great Depression impacted them, uh, their ambition. And then I also just loved the setting of Grand Central uh, Terminal. And the cover of this book is really lovely with like a flapper looking out over the terminal. And you see, of course, that kind of minty green ceiling with the constellations that is so iconic. Yeah. So this one is just, it's a really, it feels like a beach read to me in the best way. And uh, it's based on, Clara Darden is also based on a real figure, a woman named Helen Dryden. So that's always fun too, to kind of get to then poke around through historical records and if you want to learn more. So that is The Masterpiece by Fiona Davis. That one sounds good. Okay, Maisie Dobbs, Jack Lewinsphere. I think I've talked about this series before. It's a mystery series, historical mysteries. So the first one, named after the character Maisie Dobbs, It is actually set in 1929, so it's towards the very end of the Roaring Twenties. However, it very much feels like a 1920s book to me, if not the first few in the series, because it has so much to do with the aftermath of the Great War, and there are quite a few uh, sort of flashbacks or remembrance scenes where Maisie Dobbs is thinking of something that happened in the war, thinking of something that happened later after she was a nurse um, in the war. And so it feels very 1920s to me. I really like this series. I think that I have read through maybe the first seven books. There are 16. So this is a series that if you want something that you know is going to be like a satisfying mystery, kind of cozy, but also they can, so I think they're shelved with cozy often, but they can get very dark. The historical detail is impressive. I'm blown away by how Jacqueline Winspear has managed to research and write 16 of these books because the the detail, like I said, totally impressive. I really like Maisie Dobbs as a character. I like this series because yes, the, like I said, the mysteries are satisfying. They're not very puzzle-like. They're often kind of political or um, domestic. 
So I like the I like the types of mysteries that they are, but I love seeing Maisie's journey. So there is a lot of grief that she's overcoming and learning to live with. There is PTSD and psychological trauma that she experienced in the war. And just like watching her transform emotionally and psychologically is also a really satisfying part of this series. They are audiobooks that I turn to when I'm kind of like in the middle of reads and I don't know what to go to next and I just need something that I know I'm going to enjoy listening to. Love them on audio. I think the uh, the accent, the narration is great. And so, yeah, it feels like a very 1920s series to me. I, As I was reading Shrines of Gaiety, something that I was thinking about is how satisfying it is to read books set in the 1920s right now. Because so much, especially that sort of like early 1920s period, was just people figuring out how to live in a totally different world after the war. And I think as we figure out how to navigate like this life after the height of the pandemic, as we're sort of moving into this weird, like COVID is still around, but we're not really treating it like a pandemic anymore. Everything is different. The economy feels broken. Like all of these things that feel so utterly just depressing right now. It gives me a lot of comfort to read about a time period where people were experiencing something similar, where you went through something really hard. People are grief-stricken and damaged, and yet we are going to keep moving forward, and life is going to change um, in big ways. So I don't know. That's That is something about historical fiction that I find really satisfying, and this time period in particular, I think. It's post-Spanish flu, it's post-the Great War, and yeah, plus 1920s, there's parties. <laughs> All right, speaking of parties, I want to talk about Vile Bodies by Evelyn Waugh, which I'm considering historical fiction. He, it was published in 1930, it's about the early 1920s, so it's it's barely, I mean, it was contemporary fiction at the time, but I think that Evelyn Waugh just has a great eye for, had a great eye for his present moment and the way life was shifting and changing. Um, Brideshead Revisited is probably his most uh, still read book, but Vile Bodies might be like more more indicative of the rest of his body of work because it's a little bit more sexy and satirical. So this really, this book is about um, the quote, bright young things of 1920s Mayfair London. So, um, you know, the people on the party and speakeasy scene, uh, the, the wealthy and glamorous with, as he describes them, their inventive minds and vile bodies. I mean, vile bodies is just such a good title and term. Um, so this really, it shifts between a wide array of characters kind of like glamorous, wealthy hangers-on versus um, struggling writers and artists who are part of this, this scene and how they're all searching for 
for something. They're all all searchers. We see it's it's quite similar in that way, I think, to um, a Gatsby story where he is tackling the glamour and the perceived glamour of of a time and both showing it and reveling in it, but also showing kind of the emptiness of these hedonistic pursuits. So in terms of plot, it's hard to even really say what the plot of this one is. It's more these character sketches, but I think that it's, it's a little bit more, I want to say like acidic or just satirical, sardonic than The Great Gatsby, which feels very earnest. It has, Vile Bodies has more of that British sense of humor to me in its kind of takedown of this scene. And so I think that for anyone who really likes The Great Gatsby, Vile Bodies by Evelyn Waugh might be a great one to pick up for that depiction of 1920s glamour, but that also funny uh, social critique. That's Vile Bodies by Evelyn Waugh. And they all of his books have great covers, both in terms of recently released ones. And if you can find older copies at your used bookstores, they just, they have fantastic covers. Okay. I kind of felt like I was cheating with Maisie Dobbs being set in 1929. And then this one's set in 1917. <laughs> So I feel like I'm really cheating, but I found this assignment to be harder than I thought it was going to be. I will say I was like, oh, I've read so much set in the 1920s. And then when I was digging through my list, uh, not quite, not quite as much as I thought. So you're not cheating. It's, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) This book, it it reads very roaring 20s to me, and it's it's filed there in my brain. So (laughs) um, it is Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole. This is actually a novella, so really quick read if you want a quick bite of romance that is just beautifully researched. Alyssa Cole does such a good job with her historical romances. Set in 1917, but it feels like the 1920s. We have a cabaret owner who also is fighting for women's suffrage. And so at her cabaret, she actually like hosts meetings where women come to learn about voting and their rights and education and stuff like that. I I really like that sort of side plot. So she's a cabaret owner. And then we get a chef, Amir Chowdhury. And he is here for his American dream. Um, He reluctantly takes a job at Bertha's Cabaret and sparks fly between them. Have you talked about this one before? I think I paired it with something. Okay. I was going to say, this sounds familiar or you just read a lot of romance with chefs. That might be true too. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I do. So this must be familiar to you. Um, although, I mean, chefs, who doesn't love some food romance? No, I, I, I would think that that would be a great little micro genre to explore. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But I, I love these two. They have really great chemistry. Their backstories are fabulous. They, they clash at first, but then sort of, uh, come together through her knowledge of politics He's a really good dancer. <laughs> um, and yeah, before you know it, they're like making out in the kitchen. So 
what more could you want? Sounds great. <laughs> I hate to reduce it to that because it's like it. it is – I'm so impressed that Alyssa Cole could pack so much historical detail and so much character building in a novella. Like she's, mm-hmm. she is amazing. It's, this yeah. is a really good one. Well, I, I, I think you don't have to, you don't have to go into all of that because that you have said before, and I really have taken this to heart that sometimes it can be frustrating when people say it's a romance but mm-hmm. there's so much as if romance novels don't typically offer that. And of course, I'm sure some don't, but right, the best ones do. And so there's no need to qualify it with us that it's so much more than that. We know. Alyssa Cole <laughs> is one of the best. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of one of the best, I had to, of course, offer as a 1920s read, Jazz by Toni Morrison. This is a shorter Toni Morrison. And if you have read, the Bluest Eye or Beloved, or the, I think those two tend to be the ones taught in school, maybe sometimes Song of Solomon. I think jazz feels pretty different. It is part of what she called her Beloved Trilogy. I honestly don't know how they're connected. I don't. I think maybe just thematically, like in the way that she wrote them or what she was thinking about. I would like to read more about that. And if I am completely getting that wrong, somebody please correct me. Um, cause I, I'm just, I'm not really sure how that little, that trilogy is connected, but jazz is a shorter book. And I think that it's a great companion. If you have read some of those more commonly read ones, because it's quite a bit different. The synopsis is super short. So I'm just going to read it because I think it sets things up perfectly In the winter of 1926, when everybody everywhere sees nothing but good things ahead, Joe Trace, middle-aged door-to-door salesman of Cleopatra Beauty Products, shoots his teenage lover to death. At the funeral, Joe's wife, Violet, attacks the girl's corpse. This passionate, profound story of love and obsession brings us back and forth in time as a narrative is assembled from the emotions, hopes, fears, and deep realities of Black urban life. So it starts with a bang. Um, It really, like, this book kind of hits the ground running. Like many of Morrison's books, the opening paragraph is something that you'll want to return to after you finish the book and take that beautiful writing back in. But what I really love about this publisher's description is how it describes the book as uh, a narrative assembled from the emotions, hopes, fears, and deep realities. Because while this book starts with like a very kind of plotty, propulsive feel, it really does feel more like impressions or vignettes or like a work of jazz music being assembled from seemingly dissonant rhythms and melodies that somehow come together to create this this perfect impression and depiction of a feeling and a moment. So that's Jazz by Toni Morrison. It's a little over 200 pages, so it's hard to say which Morrison to start with. You really can't go wrong, but if her style intimidates you, this definitely has that nonlinear impressionistic style, but because it's a shorter length, that can maybe be helpful to new Morrison readers. So yeah, that's jazz. 
I'm so glad you included that one in our list here. I'm excited to cover it one day. Hey readers, to support novel pairings and pick up extra titles to topple your TBR, join our Patreon community. We've got a whole backlog of bonus episodes for you to peruse, including personal pairings, where we get creative with our pairing magic, bonus book recs based on our TBR toppler topics, and unfiltered conversations about books and the reading life. This season, we've shared quintessential fall reads, thoughts on banning books, favorite classic adaptations, and educational content to enhance your reading experiences. When you sign up as a patron, you have access to this catalog of content in addition to exciting upcoming episodes like our favorite books of the year, what's coming up next season, and more. You can learn more about our Patreon community and choose your level of participation at patreon.com slash novel pairings. That's patreon.com slash novel pairings. We can't wait to learn with you. All right, Chelsea. Well, we've each talked about four 1920s books that we've read and would recommend, but I think we both have a fifth that's a TBR pick. So what is your last book you want to share today? Okay. The last one that's on my TBR that I saw on many lists as I was scouring 1920s novels that I've read or that I want to read It is The Master Butcher's Singing Club by Louise Erdrich, and I love her. I can't believe that I haven't read this before. It sounds so good. It's critically lauded. So this is about Fidelis Waldvogel, and after World War I, he obviously has survived. He goes back to his German village. He marries the pregnant widow of his best friend who died in combat. And then he he's a butcher. So, and he's like a really good one. So he takes his, he takes a suitcase full of sausages. I'm just laughing because that's very German. <laughs> <laughs> Louise Erdrich has a great sense of oh, yeah. humor. I think she doesn't get enough credit for that. <laughs> She's so funny. And his knife set, because if you're a master butcher, you've got knives and they are like a part of you, right? And he sets out for America with his wife in search of a better future. So they end up in North Dakota and he builds a business. He and Ava end up with four sons and he starts a singing club. And he starts this singing club of the best voices in town, the best of the best. And then so... They're sort of considered, there's this old and new world kind of, not conflict, but like tension in this novel. Um, There's a character named Delphine who enters the picture, meeting both Fidelis and uh, Ava, his his wife. Uh, And from there, things happen. So that's the setup for the book. There's like this, it sounds like there's a little bit of a a romance element uh, sort of... uh, I don't know. It sounds really interesting to me. I love how Louise Erdrich, she just, the characters appear to her. Like she's said that before, like characters appear to her and she has to write about them. And the way that she writes characters and and builds a story around their lives is amazing to me. So this one definitely went on my TBR. That sounds fantastic. And it does sound like you. (laughs) I 
I can't wait for you to read this and tell me more about it. All right. My last one is also by a beloved author. I have read and really loved two Sarah Waters books, and I have others on my TBR, including this one, The Paying Guests. So this one is set in 1922 in London, and it is an extremely tense time. Ex-servicemen are disillusioned, the out of work and the hungry are demanding change, Um, And in South London, in the genteel Cabrewell Villa, a large, silent house now bereft of brothers, husbands, and even servants, life is about to be transformed as impoverished widow Mrs. Ray and her spinster daughter, love a spinster daughter, Frances, are obliged to take in lodgers. With the arrival of Lillian and Leonard Barber, a modern young couple of the clerk class, the routines of the house will be shaken up in unexpected ways. And Francis, in particular's life will be completely altered. Passions mount, frustrations gather, and we are in for some devastating disturbances. So what you need to know about Sarah Waters, I think, if, if this book sounds even remotely interesting to you, is that there are always twists. And there are always queer undertones or overtones. You don't really know what level that's going to be at, but I, Sarah Waters writes stunning historical fiction that is so evocative of whatever time period she is writing about. She really takes on the style of the writing of the time uh, when she writes her historical fiction. And she has said that one of the reasons she writes is to give a place for LGBTQ people who were part of history but not written about during the time and make those stories seen. But she always does it in these kind of like uh, eerie settings with with all kinds of vibes. I At least the books that I read from her, very vibey and very fall. And I it doesn't sound like the paying guests is going to break form in that regard. Um, so this one just sounds fantastic. I really, I, I like a story with kind of a, a, an outsider who gets swept up in the world of, of a friend, or in this case, a couple that's like maybe aspirational to them. And then they get in over their head I love those kinds of stories. And so this one sounds really fantastic to me. It also has really mixed reviews on Goodreads, which to me is always a plus <laughs> um, because I know that it's doing something interesting. So that is The Paying Guests by Sarah Waters. Readers, we hope you found a new read among these glittering 1920s titles today. We would love for you to read along with us as we pick up The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. For announcements and important updates from us, subscribe to novelpairings.substack.com and follow at novelpairingspod on Instagram. If you'd like to join us for live online events, bonus episodes, and book talk, join our group of nerdy readers at patreon.com slash novelpairings. Did you know you can now leave a rating for podcasts on Spotify? If you're a Spotify podcast listener, please take a few seconds to click that five-star review for us next time you open your app. 
Thank you for writing such sweet reviews for our show lately, friends. Those fresh words boost novel pairings in the Apple Podcast algorithm so new literary listeners can find our show. Please consider leaving a new review if it's been over a year since you've written one. Thank you Thank to Miles. I didn't know if you wanted me to go. I, don't, I didn't know either. I was like, that was kind of long. That was a long one. <laughs> you go for it. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next time, we'll be back to review our discussion of The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Until then, we declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading how much sooner one tires of anything than of a book. Thank you.